You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. All right, guys. How you doing? This is Lex. Nice to see you on the couch once again. This is Carly. Happy that y'all are all here. We have an amazing guest we're super excited about today. I'm super excited about Kareem. I um, his name is Kareem Webb, and we'll we'll get to him and let you speak in a second. But first, we want to introduce you. I'll first say um, kind of how I know you because I met you. It's been a few years ago now, I believe, through the Tates and kind of through work, and had learned about some of the things that you are doing as far as franchising um, and the like. And I do. I'll say this up at the top of the episode, I've always admired, you know, just your ability to have so many things going on. And yet for all of them to kind of streamline into a particular purpose, right? And for all of that to kind of having this underlying component that you want to give back and help black community. um, And that you do want to see like the advancement of these different communities as well, while also making money. I think it's a big thing where people feel like they either got to be in business or kind of do like nonprofit or uh, serve others. And there's definitely a way to do both. So I'm very glad that you were able to join us today. Um, Carly's going to read your actual bio, but that's how I knew Kareem and, and why I wanted to be sure to chat with you and kind of, you know, learn some more from you today. Absolutely. Um, and we'll get to your bio. But first, I want to say I'm mad excited and wish I would have <laughs> known you a few years ago when I was applying to business school because my essay literally was, I want to do well and do good. I want to help the community, but I also want to make money. I'm not compromising either. They're both my end game. So um, now on to his amazing bio. Kareem Webb <laughs> is an entrepreneurial activist and CEO of Fourth Movement, a Los Angeles-based firm that vets, trains, facilitates funding, and partners with individuals from underserved communities to own and operate competitive retail businesses. Before founding Fourth Movement, Mr. Webb co-founded PCF Restaurant Management, a franchisee of Buffalo Wild Wings, B-dub-dubs. PCF <laughs> has four restaurants in the Los Angeles area with four additional units in development. Webb's leadership and advocacy for a more equitable restaurant industry earned him a spot on the 2021 NRN Power List. He is also a venture partner in Slauson Co., and was appointed by Mayor Eric Garcetti uh, to serve on the Los Angeles World Airport Commission, LAWA, holding various board positions, um, co-chair of the Renew Race and Equity Task Force on the board of Every Table, and the Living Through Giving Foundation, um, also hashtag lunch bag. We will link his bio because it's worth a read um, to go see all of the amazing things that he's doing in the community. Kareem, thank you for being here. Does it feel like Man, I do a lot of things. Or is it just like, eh. Well, first of all, before I answer that, just Carly and, and Lex, I just am grateful for being here in the platform. Love what you guys have done, have, are doing. I've gone back and looked at some of your other episodes and uh, not surprised at the level of execution and the quality of the questions and what we learn from your guests. So thank you for thinking that I was worthy of your platform and everybody out there who's going to end up watching this. It's very cool. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It, I mean, sometimes it feels like there's a lot going on, but I think the the more seasoned I've gotten business, the, the more, the better I'm working through people. And I also think that, um, uh, you know, kind of with seasoning, 
you know, your positions are elevated um, and you, you get better at compartmentalizing too. So I'm on the airport commission and there's a certain amount of time that I know is going to be allocated to the airport commission, but, and there are responsibilities around safety and like things you have to read and know when I go to those meetings every other week for four hours. But I also know like my focus is <laughs> Now you threw in that little for four hours. <laughs> for free. But, but, but I know that I'm, that the reason the mayor um, nominated me and the city council confirmed me is because of my passion and commitment to equity, right? So the fact that we're spending $20 billion at the airport and black and brown people who, you know, make up, you know, north of 50% of the population of Southern California get less than 10% of the financial value at $20 billion and that that's, that's not right. And so, you know, what are the ways um, to be able to solve that? So I'm passionate about it. it it's consistent with what I do at Buffalo Wild Wings, consistent with what I do at Fourth Movement. Um, you know, it's really, you know, a belief uh, in terms of capitalism and, and being an American that we can leverage um, our system in order to create a more fair and equitable um, society, you know, um, if we're intentional about it, you know, um, so, you know, that's what I do. And can you please elaborate on entrepreneurial activists? Because I think, um, that wording might not be as obvious for some people maybe who aren't into entrepreneurship or like, how does capitalism tie in with, um, you know, helping out the community and stuff. So if you want to elaborate on that, I would love that. So, you know, capitalism, you know, is all about, you know, competition and exchange of ideas. It's about, you know, what do you value um, and how much do you value this service or product that's being offered? A uh, product being from a house or a piece of real estate to anything you can buy at the store or online to a service, whether it's a marketing service or, you know, you go into the spa to get a massage or whatever it is, right? And um, People value those things or put value, you know, um, um, on those products or services and your ability to, to make a product or provide a service um, in a way that gets an amount of money where there's still profit left is like what makes you a good capitalist. It's the bottom line. And so when we talk about capitalism, it, it's not only the product or the service, but it's how efficiently can you deliver that product and service and how much of it, you know, will determine your market value of your idea or your business. And so on the, on the business side, there's a PNL, right? Every business person has a profit and loss statement and how you um, like divvy up the dollars on the expenses associated with that business is uh, indicative of your values. So, you know, um, and, and I think that there are creative ways to look at the PL that are actually in the interest of all of society differently than is currently happening. And I'm active about it. And that's what makes me an activist mm -hmm. is the fact that I, I believe that capitalism actually can be a tool to income, uh, to addressing income inequality and ad addressing really kind of a lack of love that exists in underserved or under-resourced communities. Um, if we're intentional about it, you know, we, we've got a practice of squeezing margins 
and um, the owners, you know, usurping uh, as much value out of the business as possible because they can. And that that has been um, like kind of the definition of an exceptional capitalist. I just disagree. You know, I think that there's financial capital and then there's human capital. And if you invest in the human capital, the market generally gets bigger for everybody. People are healthier. They got more money. They consume more. Their kids go to better schools. Educational attainment improves, get better health outcomes. We all live in a safer, better world. You know, we can be um, more judicious with how we look at the PL. So are you saying or would you agree with the idea that capitalism can just be done a better way that's more people focused, right? Like caring more about people um, over just the, the consumption and the bringing in of the dollars. Yeah, I mean, an analogy, a little different, but I mean, think about electric cars. Like it's a car is about getting from point A to point B. It's just, how do you get there? And one, you know, puts fossil fuel and, and another one is, you know, electricity, which includes some fossil fuel, but either way, like it's an electric car or is it a, you know, combustion engine? It's just two totally different ways to arrive at the same thing. So it's not compromising the service of the product or the value of it. It's really on the, on the business generation side and who gets the benefit from the leverage created um, um, from this, that business enterprise. Kind of makes me think about um, Kyle Cease. He's an author and he has a podcast and stuff, but he talks about there's like a triple bottom line. Like those are his yeses for any business deal he ever partakes in. It has to hit his personal triple bottom line. And it seems like you're very intentional about how you build your businesses and making sure that it checks out that human component, but also one for the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've brought up like your passion already for like the black and brown community. What happened? Like, was there an instance or a moment that you chose to dedicate or chose to like make sure that that was what was in alignment with all of the moves you make in, in business? Um, well, you know, I was, I was very, very fortunate to grow up in a home where my parents were entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and were very conscientious about African-American issues and fairness. And so I grew up, you know, in a conversation around that or consistent conversations around um, those topics and also keenly aware of the unfairness and, you know, what I, I think every person of color in this country, certainly the descendants of slaves, um, black people, and certainly me, like lives with a perpetual state of anxiety, just being black in the United States of America. Like what you don't feel when you get off the plane and Turks and Caicos and there's black people everywhere. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> I didn't even realize I was living with this much anxiety. Because mm -hmm. every room, you know, you walk in where it's a business room, you're one of the only, the fewest, or this, or that, you're, you know, uh, and, and, and have to worry about whether or not you're going to be treated based upon the merits of your ideas mm -hmm. and your qualification or other people's comfort with the status quo, um, which is very white male dominated, mm -hmm. which is why you could be spending $20 billion at the airport and 91% of those dollars are going to you know, companies led by white men, you know, and, um, and it's not right. It's not in the interest of society. Mm -mm. I love to hear that, though, about your parents, that they were able to provide you with that footing and example uh, as entrepreneurs, but that also they did still have an understanding of the world we live in. I feel like sometimes you'll see 
folks where if they are doing well, it kind of is like, why is it that the issues seem to kind of trickle off for them? You know, like they don't have that sense as much. Um, how do you think that's something that can continue to be carried on? So as more people in our community are bringing in more money, how do we still like maintain that we are putting a big focus on serving the communities? You know, I, I, I think for me, you know, I, I think like there's this idea of like, if you had a string and you pull the string like this across your body and, um, and it was long enough to stretch like the, the total width of your hands, there's like a before to the left and then after. And I think if you like, if you thought about your life from where you are being right in the middle and all of the before in your life, every instance that happened and, but by the grace of God, all of us wouldn't even be here. Like wouldn't be where we are. If we think about all the things that have happened, the mistakes we made, how it could have gone bad, what didn't happen. And all the times where we didn't know how we were going to get out of this situation. And by the grace of God, we got some phone call, some check, some client, mm -hmm. some this, some that. It just so happened to happen. And you're here. Well, if you look at all of that, there's probably, like, you could probably be pretty, uh, you know, you, you, could, you could guesstimate which direction this thing is going in. And I like to say, like, that's probably, like, why God put you on the planet. You know, like, who, who are you born to? What have you learned? What traumas have you overcome, overcome, overcame, overcome? And um, what is your talent, right? What is, what, is, what is the thing that when you're doing it, it turns you on? Um, and you, it's not for you. You know what I mean? Like, it's coming through you in order to make the world a better place. And I think if you believe that, if you, one, your anxiety level will go down and your confidence in... Um, your worthiness to bring forth that why and make it live in all the different ways. For me, it started in, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings and then it ended up in philanthropy, but like board chair at Southwest College, which ended up at, you know, the California Community Foundation, which ended up at the airport, like all of these stepping stones of doing the same thing and learning along the way. And it was just like ordained God, like, oh, you need to learn this. You need to learn this. You need to learn this so you can do this. You need to learn this so you can do this. And then getting to places and being like, yep, okay, that makes sense. He wants me to do this. And it feels, but it's all the same thing. It's all parody, equity, entrepreneurialism, business. It's not all for me. I'm not at the airport trying to figure out how I make money. I'm at the airport trying to figure out, okay, how do we create more fairness? You keep what you have by giving it away. No doubt in, the, no doubt in my mind already, there's you know, millionaires have been made because of the work that we're doing there, but there will be a lot more. And um, there are people that pour into me that I can't explain why they pour into me or mm -hmm. how they came about, but they do. And that's how you just keep it rolling. I think that's beautiful. And it, it sounds like if we can find like kind of that keen sense of what is our purpose, what do we care about and how do our skills kind of amplify that. If you stick in that space, like, things are just even easier, honestly. I feel like when you're trying to think you should be doing this or that, it's, you get more resistance. But in that way, it's like you really are true to that. Doors open up, you make moves, you make impact. And with that comes the opportunity to make more impact. Um, so that sounds kind of like what your life has been. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. I know even with my business, you know, from time to time, I've had to stop and be like, all right, why am I even doing this? 
And I remember what I did was like on a whiteboard, I was like, well, let me just write out what's the things I care about. You know, I care about seeing black people do well. I care about this. I care about that. And then I kind of took my business and kind of like the, the marketing or the wording we're using. It's like, all right, does this reflect? Oh, there is opportunity for these things to make sense within that. Now, how can I actually just make that more apparent? And the more I make my business reflect me and what I care about, the better it does. So it's almost like why try to reinvent something when you really can't just like live your life based on your values, what you care about and what you want to see change. Yeah, that's right. And here's the test, right? Like at the end of the day, like you're a successful entrepreneur, right? Like you, you through your entrepreneurial endeavors, you maintain your lifestyle plus, right? But I promise you, you've never got a check that felt as good as some of the entrepreneurs when the light bulb went off and some of the work that you did and enabled for them helped them with their business. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, and they were grateful, thankful, could see it. Things were turning around, something happened. There's no, I, you know, there's no, I guarantee you. Look, you some people I see, they, they started doing better than me. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was like, damn, I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, let me, let me look at myself again. Yeah. But, 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 but that's where the currency is. For mm -hmm. me, I've gotten some, some big wires or checks in my life and nothing ever. Like it's, it's so fleeting. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, there's some relief. And now what's next? Mm -hmm. But the feeling of working with somebody who, didn't see themselves as an owner of the business and now is an owner of the business and the light bulb is going off and they're learning how to manage the PL and they're managing teams and all of that. And you see their family looking at them differently. They're seeing themselves uh, differently. There's yeah. nothing that feels better than that. There's and nothing. so you see that with the work with fourth movement, I'm guessing. Can you talk to us a little bit more about fourth movement and 64 and hope and like how those kind of tie together? Yeah. So Geez, like a little over four years ago now, the work we were doing philanthropically, um, um, you know, I think got a city councilman to reach out to me and say, hey, um, we're doing these kind of set aside license, social equity license. I hope you'll take a look at getting involved in the cannabis space in LA. I was hesitant. I didn't really want to be in the weed business, but I did want to be in the people development business. And I saw an opportunity and, and really prayed on it and ultimately decided to do it. And, you know, over a long time and a lot of hardship, we were able to acquire 21 licenses and we got two of the 21 open now. And those stores are called 64 and hope prop 64 legalized cannabis in, in California. And, um, and fourth movement is the parent company. The company is named after, um, Jesse Jackson talked about in the um, afterward of um, Dr. King's book, Why We Can't Wait, where he said that um, if you describe the experience of African-Americans in the United States, the first symphony would be um, the abolition of slavery. The second would be civil rights. The third would be voting rights. And the fourth would be economic equality. And that Dr. King was really focused on economic equality for everybody, not just African-Americans. That's what fourth, where fourth movement comes from. And we 100% finance people to own dispensaries and we support them with shared services and HR and accounting and marketing and supply chain assistance, um, all the things necessary to make the business run and train them, um, you know, to run best in class businesses in that space. 
That's amazing. And it does sound like a culmination of all the things you've been talking about this whole time. Like, you know, in uh, Japanese, it's the ikagi. It's like where everything meets in the center of this like mm. Venn diagram of your purpose, your passions, your communities, and the, the ways you want to change the world. But you started, um, I want to go back a little bit. You started with Buffalo Wild Wings. What was the intention or the thought? Like, how did you get into that? And it didn't grow into this. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's funny, man. And it's a God thing, too. Like, I left. My parents were a McDonald's franchisee, so they got into that when I was 11 oh, yeah, years old. Had, yeah, there hella you go. high fries. <laughs> yeah. No question. <laughs> All kind of apple pies and egg McMuffins, too. Um, but, yeah, so I was doing that from 11, you know, through late 20s. And then decided it was the only thing I'd ever done wanted to do something else, got into real estate in LA. And um, eventually like one of my real estate clients had gone, there were no Buffalo Wild Wings in LA. Kobe and Shaq, the Lakers were in three-peat. Me and my business partner now that I grew up with, Ed, we were buying tables, buying bottles at nightclubs because that's where they were showing the games. We didn't have sports bars in LA. We were all broke and piecing up. Four or five, six guys buying a bottle in order to like, go hang out and watch <laughs> Kobe real. and Shaq three-peat. And um, this this athlete, he was like, man, would you vet? I know you said you'll never get back in the restaurant business, but would you take a look at Buffalo Wild Wings? They were in Vegas. And I went there, and I was like, McDonald's is not fun. So I'd done it my whole life. but I <laughs> You're just used you know, to it. Alexia, no, nah, yeah, I would never be, you'd never be like, Still yo, not fun. come hang out with me at McDonald's. No. Oh, I see. Yeah. Like as a consumer, yeah. and like let's yeah. just come it's hang out with me at work. A, it's not a hangout place. It's, it's not a place where I would go. I didn't okay, really yes. eat the food. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings, and I was like, "Oh, well, if I'm gonna work sixty hours a week, I could do this. This is That's fun, fair. right?" And so, and then when I went in the kitchen and looked at the operations, it was it it wasn't like chef driven food and something different from my McDonald's experience, really. So I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So we started doing it. Um, we opened one in Torrance and then we opened in the Crenshaw district. Um, and that led me to like, we sponsored teams and schools. Dorsey, my mother's alma mater was around the corner. And I went there for some time with the principal and some deans and they had an entrepreneurial school on campus. So I ended up teaching a class, fell in love with that, taught kids how to open a pop-up restaurant and like just fell in love with that development process. And I, that's where the epiphany happened. I walk. I remember walking out of that class one day and it was like, yeah, I don't sell chicken and beer. I develop young people. Mm. And that led to one philanthropic, uh, you know, um, kind of service mode to another, to another, to another. And then in terms of my relationships around the city of Los Angeles started to elevate and other opportunities opened up. And those relationships turned into business because nobody is, people don't deal with you in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. all your Kareem we're at Equinox I only deal with you because we work out together no they those people end up being investors they end up being golf buddies they end up being you know asking me to get involved in their businesses same thing on boards typically when you're on boards and in and, and um and you're civically engaged you're with people who have the time and the resources to do the same thing they're successful mm -hmm. yep and the people you spend time with you know are the people you're going to collaborate with in all areas of life and you just grow Hmm. So that being said, the people around you are important, obviously. I think that's an obvious statement. But now, if you're in a space where, all right, I want to be at another level as well, 
do you think that's a big key to it? And how do you do that? Like to kind of get yourself in these spaces to have those other types of conversations, maybe to learn from other folks, et cetera. Yeah, I think um, one, you can just be intentional, you know, so, and it's also kind of understanding what is the next step. Mm-hmm. So here's an example, like, um, uh, you know, being at LA Southwest College led to an opportunity to, to be on the board of California Community Foundation, $20 billion. Okay, well, on that board are, are it's like the number, one of the probably most prominent African-American private equity people in LA. So we developed a relationship. Um, so I started learning about capital in a way I otherwise wouldn't have learned about the carry and funds and this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. So then when I'm talking to my boy, AJ, about wanting to fund our own ideas and all of these entrepreneurs that would reach out for advice and this, that, and the other, it's like, man, we hear some good ass ideas, wish we had our own pool of money. Fast forward two years, Slauson and Company exists. It has $75 million. You know what I mean? And AJ and Austin are running that fund. I'm a venture partner to the fund. And there's a pool of money to fund good ideas. But I wouldn't have had the awareness around how a fund really works Mm -hmm. if I wasn't on the board. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, and because of that now, even from Fourth Movement, I'm thinking about what's next. Okay, how do I get access to a lot more money to do a lot more of what I'm doing? So there's like a natural progression, but also, you know, a curiosity always about how do you grow? How do I, how do I take what I'm doing now? This is a step to the next step and that'll be a step to the next step. But what's that first kickoff? If I'm, if I, let's say we're not considered successful yet to get that started, like being around the right space. Like how do you, how, all, how can you make your you, voice more heard, you know, by folks? I think or maybe you do you focus up. on yourself first yeah, and get there? I, th- I think you got to show up, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and even though you, you might be an extrovert, you might be an introvert, you can still lead mm-hmm. and people acknowledge and value value. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, the question that I ask in every, every time I meet somebody and I, I have a chance to talk to them long enough where the question, is appropriate if there's probably going to be the next time that i'm gonna see this person at some point i'm gonna ask them how can i be helpful mm-hmm. like let them tell me because at the end of the day like you are a real asshole if somebody is helping you and you don't want to help them mm-hmm. so rather than me going into anything trying to figure out what's in it for me it's like okay how do i go into situations and find out how based upon what i know and what i can do i don't mm-hmm. care if it's like replanting plants or showing up to hashtag lunch bag and like, you know, doing, making lunches or if it's whatever it is, how can I be helpful? And it softens people and it endears people to want to know what are you trying to create for yourself in your life? It's the ability to enroll. Other people are going to help you help enable. And so you don't have to always have like, you know, a lofty goal, reverse engineer the plan and then go from A to B. Again, I think if you're thinking about that why, and then you start to just put yourself out there, how can I go add value somewhere? How can I show up? How can I maybe put myself in some environments that are not typical to what I've been doing, Mm -hmm. uh, where I'm probably going to meet some different people? And then when I do, how can I add value to those people? Yeah, high key, the more you try to make a plan, you're really kind of limiting (laughs) yourself 
from the serendipity yeah. and, you know, like you said, places that you end up getting placed and just being open to, you know, what's there and who's in front of you. Um, we talk about giver's gain a lot. Like that's my approach, especially in like networking, LinkedIn, you know, and all of these platforms is, you know, how can you be that person to show up and then let this just actually grow into something else? Um, yep. Did you go to business school or no? Mm-mm. Your house was business school. I got my PhD at like Hamburger University. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That counts. That's what I was wondering I because I think, it. I think, um, and I want Carly, you speak to this as well. Cause you went to business school. I never went to business school specifically. And so for me, it's always been like a self learn all those aspects. But when I talk to people who have run companies and, you know, especially to the level that you've done work, it always feels like, like there's so many things that I just didn't even know about. Um, and I don't want to say that it hasn't been accessible per se, but I think a lot of folks, especially people in our communities, maybe don't realize or, or maybe are overwhelmed by like what that looks like to like learn business, to do it in the way that you can really have like mm-hmm. layers and layers, you know, stacks and stacks, not just I'm on this Instagram, you know, I'm a coach here and doing this and that, you know what I mean? Um, so I think that's pretty cool that you were able to get through all of that. Did you feel like you needed to go to business school? So that's what I was, I was so excited because I went to business. School. I used to be an engineer, um, in construction back in Dallas, I actually worked at DFW airport. So, and then I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. So I went to business school cause I didn't know what else to do, but I knew I wanted to help the community and make money. Mm-hmm. But what I will say, and I graduated from, um, USC, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, which was a top 25 business school when I was there. It's now it's top 20. And I still don't, there are still so many questions I have about business ownership, about how to actually do that. Because in my class, they're kind of pushing out people. Business school is designed to push out consultants (laughs) and push out people to help people run businesses and strategy Mm -hmm. and people to help like CFOs, like things like that. And so I was in like the 5% of my class that wanted to do entrepreneurship, maybe 10%. And of that, the 1% that actually cared about helping people and like Mm -hmm. wanted to dedicate time to that. And so I have all kinds of questions about like business ownership or thoughts and tips you have to people starting businesses or better ways to run them. Because even though I went to it, it still doesn't answer those questions. That's like a life experience that you have to have. So basically like you feel like they didn't teach entrepreneurship as much. No, absolutely mm-hmm. not. No, I can tell you all the things about a business. Feels I learned like you gotta about just figure it out. P&L, but it, it's the thing you have to figure out um, in, in life. And also just like, I think meeting people and the synchronicities of how things come together. It's just something you got to learn and put yourself out there for. Yeah, I think, I think, um, yeah, it's interesting. My brother went to Marshall too. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I think that at the end of the day, here, here's the things I wish I knew sooner. I wish I knew the capital markets, even though I was in real mm-hmm. estate and I understood the secondary market a little bit. I didn't understand carry and points and how funds, both venture and private equity work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the money is. And that money is, is, has a lot to do with um, public pensions. So oftentimes there's a lot of people of color money, cops, that, um, you know, people work at the docks, uh, you know, city employees, teachers, et cetera. And their retirement is invested in these private equity companies and in these venture capital companies who get paid a lot of money in fees and in ownership on the, on the back end once people get paid back in order to, to manage wealth. And so, um, 
you know, your ability, anybody's ability to really understand how capital works um, gives you an advantage when you want to access capital in order to fund your ideas. Um, and then it's the PL. And that's a, like a, 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 you know, very, you know, helpful tool when you're, when you're learning in a business like McDonald's, because you're trying to make, you know, 10 cents on the dollar menu. So it's a ton of transactions and you're trying to manage labor and cost of goods sold and all the other line items. And typically, you know, in American retail, you're not dealing with like college educated people who are running multi-million dollar businesses. So the systems are set up um, to really narrowly focus on managing the line items that have the most impact in the profitability, those variable costs. And if you can focus on those things at McDonald's, you can figure out what those things are in any business and focus on those things around profitability. So if you can predict profitability and know what you need to do to be profitable, top line sales wise, as well as uh, in your expenses, and you can access capital, you know? So if, if you can create the narrative around how you're gonna get to profitability and it's credible and you understand where capital is and how capital works, then you can access the rep, the money to actually activate mm -hmm. your idea. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's, that's where it's at. That's what people don't know. <laughs> and that that's is, what nobody's well, telling us. Well, even with venture capital funding, and I, I mean, you can correct my figures, but the last time I checked, it was like 2% of all venture capital funding mm -hmm. goes to black and brown people. And of that 2% is like 1% is black women. It just keeps going down as you start to divvy up those. So for um, our listeners who have, you know, big dreams about founding companies and getting funding in addition to having a credible way for, for profitability and understanding capital and their ability to tell you that in a story. What are a couple other things that you that you and like maybe your team of partners look for in founders um, and people who access funding? Because shout out to y'all. I just saw that Slauson and Co. Um, just has y'all inaugural fall a cohort of like 20 companies that got $20,000 all across the country, which I think is amazing. And I knew about that before I figured out we were interviewing you. So I'm really excited about that. But what are some other things that people can think about as founders, like in addition to profitability? Well, you know, in the venture space, uh, uh, there's a couple of things. Venture is higher risk, higher reward. So when you're talking about private equity, there's the bank you can go to money for, and banks want not only proof of concept, but they typically require multiple years of operation. So bank is underwriting a loan, not equity. It's a loan based upon the predictability of the success of this business and what's already happened. So if you don't have, your business is already not established and it's not a cash flow positive business, banks are out okay so then you say all right venture venture is looking for you know a, a venture firm will go make 40 bets on companies and they need five of those companies to hit they could lose money on the other 35 companies they don't want mm -hmm. to but they could because the five companies that hit they're not looking for base hits or doubles they're looking for grand slams, okay, unicorns. Mm -hmm. They're looking for that company that ends up having a billion dollar valuation 
and the 10% of the company that they own from their early investment turns into a hundred million dollars and they invested a half a million dollars, you know, three or four years ago. That's what they're looking for. And so you, you have to, you have to under, is your business, does your business model have the potential to be a billion dollar company? So if you're selling cupcakes in retail without a technology component to it that has the ability to scale, you're probably not a venture candidate. That's a friends and family business mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of raising capital, right? Um, and then you get private equity and private equity wants less risk too. So they're typically buying existing businesses too. And they're looking for businesses that have a good model that are scalable. So, oh, this is a business with five units that has the ability to get to 25 and we're going to acquire this business or we're going to invest in this business. And our expectation, there's a plan to take it from five to 25. The value of this business right now is $10 million, but at 25, it's going to be $75 million. It can get there in three years. We're going to make money doing this. And it's very like predictive and, um, and the private equity company typically comes to the table with some expertise and negotiates the kind of oversight that would, that would, um, you know, lead to their confidence around being able to execute that business play. That's private equity. Then obviously you've got angel investors and friends and family and, and your own money and your ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in terms, so, so, and I, I just want to give some context before I get back to Slauson and Company and Venture. So in Venture, they're looking for ideas that could become a, uh, you know, half a billion, billion dollar idea. That's number one that they're looking for. And then once they say that there's an idea that's a good idea in a market, they're also vetting the market. Who's the competition? Is this unique? There is no competition. There's a somewhat of a competitor, but their team isn't strong. Like, is, there, is there an opportunity for this thing to take off really? get comfortable about that. Then it's about the founder. Has a founder founded a company before? Have they led a team before? Um, you know, what's their personality traits? They're going to vet them, do credit checks on them, do before they give them a half a million, million dollars. Yeah, they're going to do, um, um, you know, they're going to talk to friends and family. They're going to, they're going to, um, they really want to know who they're giving this money to. Mm-hmm. That due diligence. And, yeah. And is this person, you know, um, the types of, you know, a good person, bottom line. And, and it has the potential to be a good leader. And um, so it's the idea, then the person, but both before the investment's made. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like for any listeners who are working a business and or thinking about, have an idea, whatever, really it's important to have those processes, operations, all of those things in place. Like, if something can't even move without you being in it all day, like there's so much work to do to make sure you're even scalable to then get these outside investments is what it sounds like. Um, and I think the education around all of these things, like I've always just gone after it myself. I listen to podcasts all day and, you know, reading different books, et cetera. Um, but it does seem like so much to learn. And I think it's almost easier to talk to people like you talk to other folks, um, even in, like in my own networks who uh, know more about finance, business, et cetera, and to always be like taking in that knowledge that way. So I do appreciate you dropping those gems because it basically sounds like you got to do a lot of work to get to where you need to be so that other people want to want to hop on that. People want to support something that's already doing well. And so it can take a while sometimes to get to that space. 
but also I've seen for sure as you get better and as, as things kind of become more and more successful, it's almost easier to like blow that up exponentially once you get there. Um, so definitely worth putting in the work. I think that's right. And then I think sometimes we also get fooled by, well, they didn't have their business open and they got all this money. Yeah. But what mm-hmm. have they done before? Mm-hmm. Right. Like if Rihanna comes and says, I want to do a lingerie line and it's Rihanna. Mm-hmm. You're in. Yeah. Yes. Million Instagram followers. You know, I no problem getting that bread. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you know, somebody nobody ever heard of said the same thing to do the same products in the same way and needed the same amount of good luck. Yeah. Every, so, all the pieces matter. All the pieces matter. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the last kind of area I want to chat with you about, because I think this is also important and it seems to be a big part of your life. Um, you're pretty, and, and correct me if I should say politically active or civically active. What would you say is the difference there? Civic. Civic. And, and does that mean that as a participant in this and not necessarily as like a candidate or, or within politics? Yeah, and it just means that it's not exclusive to politics. Ah, mm. uh, okay. It just means that, you know, it, 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 it has to do with community. And policy uh. is a part of mm-hmm. our quality of life. Okay. And policy that is aligned with our values. Okay. And our interests. Because mm-hmm. I advocate for policy that's aligned with our business interests. Mm-hmm. But my business interests are aligned with my personal values, mm-hmm. too, right? So you so, got a full circle. Yeah, so policy matters and, and who the people are that are executing the policy or, or deciding, you know, who those policymakers are is important, too. Mm. So I do believe in being very engaged with local, state and federal um, elected officials and, and doing you know, what you can to, um, you know, get an outcome in terms of those human beings that are making those choices on our behalf. So. You know, you know, as you know, you came to the fundraiser for Karen Bass, who I, I think is going to be an outstanding mayor when she wins. Very supportive of Mayor Garcetti. I think he's brilliant. Very supportive of several other folks in the state federal government, right? And so, um, yeah, I think that's very important. And also just it, like as you see yourself as worthy and your ideas are worthy, you can put yourself out there, you know, become a part of your community and advocate for your values and what you think is right for you, yourself, eventually your children, whatever. Like, and if, cause if you don't, somebody else is. Mm-hmm. And so for people who like, maybe, you know, are kind of new to getting involved civically or, you know, maybe they have ideas, like what, do you have any recommendations on like how to get started in doing that? Like, where do mm-hmm. I show up to, you know, start sharing my ideas or to put myself out there? Like, what does that actually look like? What's something that they can go do or tr- a way to try to get involved? Almost every local a policymaker has their own town hall, right? It's still, you know, COVID active. So they're virtual. You could call an office, call your city council person, call. You got to know know who they are first. (laughs) First of all, Google and know who these people are. Yeah. Yeah, I I live at XYZ address. Who's my city council person? And it's going to pop up and then call that person's office and say, Hey, I'm a constituent. I'd like to be invited to the next town hall. That's it. And they'll, they'll take your email and they will invite you. And, and then you begin to start to see the sausage making and, and what the process is. And when you have the ability to get in with you, where you fit in and make your voice heard. And again, just like we were talking about other things, and then you'll end up meeting people, mm-hmm. you know, who also care, who are aligned and, and um, some of which, you know, um, you haven't reached their trajectory yet and they can be more helpful to you than you probably can be to them yet which is all good. 
Hmm. Yeah, and that goes back to that, like, what can you give? Like, what can you give? How can you get involved and help out for mm-hmm. those causes or for those people? Mm-hmm. But I think that's important what you said, because I think some of the first steps really are you just being more aware and learning, um, you know, understanding like who the, who the folks are, what do they care about? Um, and actually knowing, I think that also kind of empowers us to feel like we can make some kind of difference, right? I think a lot of people right now are, not even right now, forever, are a little disillusioned with uh, politics and with mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't really do anything. Nobody's listening to me. Um, there's not a way to make change. What are your thoughts about that um, and about what you feel is important about folks being civically active? It's just an excuse, man, not to be engaged. It's like, no, yeah, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks. Yes, money has a significant undue influence on our policy. But we're the citizens. And either we choose to take some responsibility and be engaged or we don't. And, you know, it's a personal decision. Not trying to make anybody wrong. I just hope that all of us would, like, see our power and our right to exercise it. And, um, you know, this is a way to do that. Got it. I like that. Yeah, and a great call to action. Um, so get informed if you want to change stuff. It got to start with us. Um, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your time. We know you're a busy person. Again, if you haven't checked out his bio, we're going to link it, do that. Um, please let us know like where people can find you and how they can connect with you if you're interested in that. Yeah, for sure. I'm everywhere on social, LinkedIn and, and Insta. I'm at Kareem Webb. I'm sure you guys will do the graphic and so on and so forth. So you can, um, yeah, just get me there. I respond to my own DMs and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, always happy to be helpful where I can. And is there anything that you have going on right now specifically um, that you'd want to promote or you'd want to call people out to check out um, anything you're working on? Yeah, we just launched, um, cauliflower wings at buffalo wild wings so the vegans can come uh, eat some cauliflower hey. wings. <laughs> just and now then, yeah this week and then we um, Big in Cali. You know, come to 64 and hope we opened the second unit on melrose so we're on melrose in la so if All you're right. in la hey. get to la you know you're getting swagged out on melrose come get a little tree at 64 and hope and um <laughs> yeah we'll have some big announcements later on this summer but by the end of the year we'll have 10 of those stores open and and we're we're looking that's at awesome. some other things. that's awesome so go get go get an eighth and then go get some cauliflower wings when <laughs> you get hungry <laughs> oh. afterwards wings, you know that would be kind of fire yeah, like a little later on yeah, yeah a little little tour connect yeah, all those dots little, mm-hmm. little weekend plans weekend adventures in la <laughs> i did go to uh one of the openings it was really nice so uh, shout out to you the store is really nice everybody was super friendly um, great vibes, great uh, options of, you know, product and swag, like he said, too, like the shirts and everything, high quality, the, the screen print didn't come off or nothing. So uh, shout out to you guys. I appreciate that. And I think showing that quality and showing our people and like in those spaces is, is super important. And I think that does make a huge difference. Um, I already told you how much I, I admire you at the top. Thank you so much for being with us. And our last thing that we do at every show, we have a question of the week and that you got to answer it too. This one's kind of easy though. Yeah, this one, this one's real easy. Um, we gave you a home run. Um, what is one book that you think everyone should read and why? Hmm. Oh, I guess I'll, it's the most recent book that I just reread. So um, Ben Horowitz, you know, what you do is who you are. Mm. Uh, it's okay. a great, 
as a leader and a business, you know, we're talking about business here. It's a great book um, for people to know about building culture in your business. Oh, awesome. Let me, let me go write that, that down. <laughs> good. Get on Amazon and cop that one. Um, what would you say, Carly? Um, I would say off the top of my head, there's a few I would recommend, but I would say yeah, I, I, I got a lot, <laughs> but I'm going to narrow it down today and just do one. I would say A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. Um, and it is a, her review of A Course in Miracles, but I think it's imperative because it gives you a different perspective about love and how to love other people, like from a very authentic, like unconditional place, like what that can actually look like. The great experiment. Um, and then one I'll go with, uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's considered a classic, probably. I would say The Richest Man in Babylon, just because mm. I remember reading it. And I like when there are books that kind of, I get the lesson, but it's kind of parable form, kind of alchemist style. Mm, alchemist. <laughs> but the fact that like you can read it again. And I like how what it changed for me when I read that is that money can be easy. Um, I think the way I grew up and a lot of folks grow up, it's yeah. like that's something kind of out of your reach or you just don't know where to start, what to do. You get it and you have to use it and you have to spend it. Um, but I liked how The Richest Man in Babylon just kind of reset, you know, a mindset around money, um, getting it and keeping it and growing it before love all that. the business terms and stuff. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Awesome. So y'all check those out. Hit us at Carly's couch. Let us know what books you would recommend. Mm -hmm. And then I want to say thank you again to Kareem. I'm inspired. I was inspired reading your bio, but <laughs> right. I'm she was over here. Like, here. we're like, wow, like, wow. I know them like all this <laughs> stuff. Um, so I just love all the things you're doing in the LA landscape for the people and super inspired. Thank you. You'll probably see him around the city guys, at some point now. You'll you recognize guys inspire <laughs> me, man. You guys are dope. Um, thank you so much, man. We, we appreciate you. it, Kareem. All right, y'all don't be a stranger. God bless.